0: All right. So on our screens today we have uh, um, free financially part one. Who like the free in the storm series? So this year our theme is free, and uh, we want to be free in every part of our lives. And uh, um, part of that is having uh, a, a right perspective when it comes to our finances. So um, we're going to be talking about money. Is that okay? Who wants to leave now? You can leave now if you want to. You don't have to listen to this. So. <clears throat> today, uh, it's going to be uh, a general, broad-ranging um, perspective or, or principles, but I hope can begin something that uh, frees your thinking when it comes to your money. So some, some things that we're going to look at this morning, I hope don't offend you, but if, if it's offending you, turn to the person next to you and say, are you offended too? And maybe when you get a few, two or three together, then you can um, work it out. Most people, when they uh, consider a free life, um, one of the first things that they would think of is being free financially, so that they can do what they want when they want. Um, and so, so often we think, well, I can't do anything I want because finances restrict me. And that can be very true. And so we, we have this idea that um, uh, our problem with finances is we just don't have enough money. Now, the, the, the curious thing that I find, there are some people, though, that, that have all the money that they could ever want, and it becomes a burden in their life that actually controls them. So, we have on one extreme, and, and I'm going to be talking a lot this morning to set this up for our, for part 2, 3, and 4, and 52, um, there's there's extremes that that we have in life and there's one extreme where people who say well I don't have money so that's my main life problem is I don't have any and then there's other extreme where people are so consumed and so bound and so trapped because they've got way too much money. So either extreme can be a problem and sometimes when you're in the middle that can be a problem too. If if we look through some things today we'll see why all those things can be an issue. So money, wealth, success can all be interpreted and uh, misunderstood in the church. And, you know, one of the things that I was told when I came to this church was, don't talk about money. We've had enough of that in the past. You know, that's just imbalanced. That means that there's a buckle in the wheel of the church that, that, that we need to, you know, tighten up the spokes, fix things up a bit, and then, then when it's all sweet and it's taken seven years, and this is the first time I've spoken about this subject in seven years, so give me some grace. Because <laughs> it's not all that we talk about, it's not all that we think about. But it's something that we need to have a right perspective as believers in Jesus Christ. So the most important thing isn't money. So people tell you about church, it's all about the money. The most important thing about church is connecting people with Jesus so that they can get their lives sorted out, so that they can live the best life and have an eternal life. That's what it's all about. It's not about one subject. So get that all sorted right now. So we have opinions. There's there's, uh, opinions... Uh, that people have that church should never talk about it. It's one subject we should never talk about is money, people say. Uh, My belief, though, is God can and does have something to say about money. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has something to say about money. Now, well, I've got your confession and we need to hear it. No, that was a bit quiet. But I believe that there are people here in the church, some of you here today, that God is getting a hold of for the purpose of raising finance for the kingdom for building god's kingdom there's individuals here right now that something is getting in your spirit saying that this is me i know he's talking about me and we ought to always be a generous people and a generous church and i want us to be a generous church i've got the most amazing business management team can i have the business team just stand up i won't get you to come out but if those that are here are here one two three there they are they're all here Let's give them a hand today, because I, to, I want you to trust the business management team of our church, because they've got, they've got brains when it comes to our finances, they've got brains when it comes to the management of what we do in the church, and we, we, we have confidence, I have confidence, that, that the finances in this church are managed well, and we need to honour those people uh, whenever you can, and, and thank them for the job that they do taking that responsibility but um one of the things i just want to want to also do is i'm just trying to build some some foundations for for um the next month or so when we talk about this but uh one of the things we do in the church is every august uh we receive what we call our one priority giving or offering and uh that's like a first fruits that we that we take something that that what God has blessed us with, and we say I'm going to give a a special giving to God. And what we do in this church is we use that for our for our buildings, for our facilities. Right now we've been over the last five years or so we've done this, and and all of that finance, that extra finance that comes in, uh, we we have. Um, Fixed our building, we've used it for carpet, for for air conditioning, for new lighting, all this sort of stuff it's gone to. At the moment, we've got projects outside that you would have noticed. Um, Who didn't notice anything outside? (laughs) Sometimes you do. You're so used to everything, you don't see anything. Well, we're doing some, some things on a day like today. would have been fantastic for people to come in and get dropped off under a, a canopy and uh, enter the church and not get rained on, all that sort of stuff. That's what we're building right now. But I want us not to think, well, we've got these projects on the, on the books here today in this building, but we want to be able to build um, a building fund through our One Priority Giving that we put towards you know, uh, a future building because this place is quickly becoming too small. And we want to be able to expand and we've been blessed in this church. We have, we have land. We've got 13 acres of land between here and the marina that um, we can um, hopefully build a church on one day and we're going to need, uh, we're going to need money to do that. And God's going to stir people in the life of this church that are going to raise money so that we can do all that we can. Why? So we can have a lovely palace of a building? No, so that we can have a place where the presence of God is all the time and people can come in, hear the Word. We can have a Bible college set up. We can have children's ministry set up. We can have all the things that we've ever dreamed in our hearts right here in Port Lincoln and people will come to this place to study the Word of God, to hear the Word of God and to grow. So anyway, that's one priority Get on board, start thinking about that. Um, The reasons behind that, Exodus 35, um, verse 5 and verses uh, 21 and 22. It starts in verse 5. Um, It it says, uh, God tells Moses, uh, let those with generous hearts present their gifts to the Lord. Because he's saying, I want you to build a tabernacle to have worship in. And then in verses 21 and 22, it describes how uh, people's hearts were stirred That's what it's all about. When we do these sorts of special giving, we need to have our hearts stirred, not just a good idea, um, and and their spirits were moved. And it was both men and women. So there's quite a few things that we can pull out of this. And it says, men and women whose hearts were willing brought all the materials that were needed to build the tabernacle. And I know here in our church, God is is getting people to, to have willing hearts He's also uh, stirring our spirits and uh, men and women. It's not exclusive to anything like that. And, and he's giving us willing hearts so that we can build a truly great church here in this state. Who's with me? Yes. That's good. Who's with me? Yes. We're getting better. So our attitude when it comes to finance and money, our attitude to life, including money and wealth, is distorted by opinions uh, delivered through um, media of all types sometimes our attitudes and our opinions are, are motivated by what we've heard by our family sometimes our opinions are motivated by what other people in church tell us and, and I, I i'll guarantee you today at lunchtime there'll be lots of people talking about today's message reinforcing what they all thought about church but you know when i talk about you know our attitudes my my attitudes in when it comes to life were 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 li- largely media-based. My, my mentors in life were like Gilligan, and, and if you know who he is, and, and, and Maxwell Smart, and, and Bugs Bunny. That, that, like I didn't have any mentors in my life saying, hey, this is how you should live, this is where your life values f- sh- should come from. But I tell you what, I studied every day in front of this special box in our house that, 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 that mentored my life values. I'm going to show you some right now when it comes to money. This is where, where I got some of my ideas from. Thurston Howell the Third. He's a millionaire who loves his lovely loving with lots and lots of money. He's a man who's loaded with manliness. I'm Thurston Howell the Third. Anyone care to top that? We certainly can't. Wow. Who remembers Thurston Howell the Third? Okay, you poor people. <coughs> but there are. When it comes to to finance and church, there are extremes. There's this one called the prosperity doctrine. Who's ever heard that that mention? So prosperity in the church says anything less, you're not a Christian. Anything less than being loaded, you're not a Christian. And you're like that guy in the cartoon there with all the cash falling down from heaven. And he's saying, welcome. And then there's another extreme, which is called uh, uh, poverty. And uh, the, the, the poverty extreme says anything more, you're not a Christian. And, and you, you've got to eat a bowl of lentils only for your, for your dinner. Cheap ones. Well you see a farmer that, you know, get some for free. So there are two extremes. See, the Apostle Paul said this about money. And it's really important that we, we get some some biblical perspectives and, and apply that to our own understanding. So Paul said this, I know how to live on almost nothing with no money or with everything, with prosperity. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. That's what the Apostle Paul had to say about wealth and finance. So Somewhere, the Apostle Paul is making a declaration that his life and his ministry isn't about what he has or doesn't have. God was with him in both places. And I want you to understand that today in your situations, in your life, God can be with you in both places. So we could be saying, well, I've got God's blessing in prosperity and the money from heaven just falling down, tumbling down on my my life. Or you could be at another extreme where you're saying, well, that seems to be not happening in my life and things are a struggle and I'm finding life tough. But you know what? God will be with you in both places. And that's a foundation that you need to set straight that God will be with me in both places. So Jesus, and it's very important that we we understand when Jesus says something that it's really, really important. So when Jesus says something about money, do you think we should take notice? Okay, this is what Jesus says about money. Found in two places, the same or word for word, the same thing in both these scriptures. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And he takes it a notch higher and he says you cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus, again, is using extremes. He's using extreme language to to convey the truth. Money is the only subject that got Jesus violent. Did you know that? Not because he needed it or not because he wanted it. I'll show you another scripture. It says, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. Uh, He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. You see, why did Jesus get so agitated about what was going on in the temple? See, Jesus saw people use the temple to greedily exploit others. Merchants were cheating people who came to worship and God hates that. And we don't want to be known as a church that greedily exploits others. In any way, we want to be a church that gives to others. We want to be a church that is a blessing to the city. We want to be a church that is a blessing to the kingdom of God, not greedily exploiting others. So we don't want to do that, do we? So money of itself is neither good or evil. It's, it's, just, it's just stuff. But how you view money is the defining factor. So I found this quote. It's called cheating the system. Instead of getting money to help people, we hurt people to get money. Whenever we wrong or hurt, or hurt someone for material gain, whenever we cheat, we reveal that we are 180 degrees removed from the attitude toward money that Jesus said we should display. That was from Stanley Baldwin. Another thing about money is it's a great source of worry in our lives money is only worth the value that people put on it and unfortunately sometimes we put way too much value on what we think money is speaking so people worry a lot about their money if you're in debt you worry about money and i know a period in my life when when uh, uh, i was i was getting pressured because my mum, she's italian and italian boys will have to have a house they must have a brick house probably by the time you're 19 and I was like 23. And my mum would always be looking at the paper saying, you need you need a house. Look, here's a good house. Look, Rob, you need to buy a house. When are you going to buy a house? Always, constantly. But the thing that kept me back, thing that held me away from that concept was, was I don't know how I could ever pay it off. And I still haven't. But, but she, sh- she shows me this, this house one day, she says, Rob, you need to buy this house. You know And she rings up the agent. And I was terrified, I was petrified because I, I couldn't grasp the idea of being in debt. And, and, and I was so scared, I thought, I'll never be able to sleep. Once I sign this, this, this house, I won't be able to sleep at night I'll be so worried, I'll just want to work and work and work and, and just try and pay this thing off so I have no debt. That's, I was just terrified and and consumed by this, this fear of going into debt to buy a house. But money has the power to do that. So people worry a lot about their money. If you're in debt, you, you worry about that debt. Another thing is, you might not have debt, you might have investments. You might have lots of investments. You might only have a small amount of investments. But very often, people worry about their investments. They could have... They could have tens of millions of dollars invested and spend their life consumed in worry about how that's how that's looking. So money has a way of consuming our thoughts and can become life-controlling in a negative way. It leads to losing sleep, overthinking, worrying, scheming and cheating. It is possible to live free from the worry of money and I believe... Jesus has power to free our thinking, to use money and not be controlled by it. Does God want us to have money? Absolutely. Does he want us to have a right attitude towards it? Absolutely. Galatians 5 verse 1. So Christ has truly set us free. And it goes on to say, now make sure you stay free. So Jesus' followers can experience complete freedom to enjoy life free from the worry from the burdens of money whether it's not having enough or whether it's having more than enough we shouldn't allow that to become a burden that consumes our thinking see god can make money a blessing in life and not a burden when you have god In the right frame of the picture, money will be a blessing, not a burden. Because you might be thinking, if only I had more money, and you know what? Then, if that suddenly were to appear, you think, well, this has become a burden that I can't handle. Because now I'm worried about it all the time. I'm worried about people who are becoming my friends because they just want my money. Uh, I'm worrying about is this? You know, where should I? What should I do with it? Is you know, is this the right place to put it? Uh, And I'm I'm paranoid about everyone who who's giving me advice. I don't know who to trust. All because of this this blessing of money. It's not about winning a lottery and Jesus suddenly fixes all your financials. Just as it takes years to get into financial hardships, it can take years of good habits to get you out of it. And hopefully today we might be able to start... Uh, getting a new perspective of finance in our lives as Christians and start to say, well, God, I want to start to put things into place. And sometimes that can be as simple as a healthy mindset to you and God and your money and, and, and uh, getting those things sorted out. So that's true not only in finances but in all areas of our lives. So the keys to, to setting some of those things up is uh, patience, persistence and planning. So we need, to, we need to patiently involve God in some of our decisions when it comes to our finances. And we need to have planning involved as well. So, sow good habits with your money, whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. You might only be on a pension, but you can sow good planning and you can, you can sow godly principles into, into that little bit. But choose living free in Christ and choose to stay free. Don't allow money to become a trap or a bondage or something that it was never created to be that, that ruins your life's joy. We're going to look at a guy called Zacchaeus. I love to preach about Zacchaeus. The story is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. And he's a man who made a living from cheating people. He made a living out of cheating people. He was a master at it. He, he made it an art form to try and trick people out of their money here he is it says in Luke chapter 19 verses 2 to 10 verse 2 says there was a man there named Zacchaeus and Jesus came to, to Jericho and it says there was a man there named Zacchaeus he was the chief tax collector in the region and he became very rich we need some some community participation right now everyone say very rich we do this because right now it's starting to get a little bit tired, starting to get in the middle of the message, so wake up. And Jesus, it says that he was a short guy, so he climbed up a tree so he could get a view of Jesus. Because there was a big crowd following Jesus into Jericho that day, and he wanted to see Jesus, so he climbs up a tree. And if you know the story, Jesus, well, I learned this one in Sunday school in the Anglican church, Jesus went under the tree and said, now Zacchaeus, you come down, because I'm coming to your house for tea. Who knows that song? I didn't do it justice, but... It's okay. You don't have to sing. (laughs) And it says in verse 7, Meanwhile, the people were unhappy. Because Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to go to your house today. Because there's a whole crowd of people there who knew Zacchaeus and they've all been victims of his extortion. You know, isn't that so unfair about God that He's kind to bad people? I'm glad I'm not God. I would have said, now, Zacchaeus, you come down, I'm gonna whoop your. <clears throat> it goes on to verse 8. The people are unhappy because Jesus goes to Zacchaeus's house. And says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people in their taxes, I'll give them back four times. As much. See, Zacchaeus, who had made a living from cheating people, had a one day with Jesus moment. And it changed his life and it changed his perspective about money. So he had a bad culture in his life, a bad attitude when it came to money. And it was all about that. Didn't care about other people. But that moment with Jesus changed his perspective and it created a whole new experience in his life so don't be a Zacchaeus who got preoccupied with money and nearly ruined his life it says in 1 Timothy 6 verses 9 to 10 uh, about people longing to be rich are trapped by that we shouldn't be trapped by that longing in our hearts to to gain uh, wealth I think we'll start my next part from this launch pad but uh, being free financially isn't about having lots of money it's using what you have with the right motive so today it doesn't matter whether you've, you've got a high-flying corporation uh, behind you that that uh, you're on you know lots and lots of money or you've got a successful business it's not about whether you have uh, only a little bit of money from a pension or maybe you're living off of you know, just a meager income. Being free financially isn't about having lots of money. It's using what you have with the right motive. So I want to leave you with two keys to develop the right motive to your money. So if we can uh, grasp hold of these things, I believe it's going to change the future, not only of your life, your family and your grandchildren. The Bible talks a lot about money. It talks about, it talks about the, the godly leaving an inheritance to their grandchildren you know that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, goal that we should have when it comes to our life not saying well i can't even i can't even bless my kids but down to the next generation of my kids kids are going to be blessed because of my my attitude towards money that's what i want to aim for so here's the first one first key is seek the right goals and establish a spiritual purpose. So seeking the right goals look like this. What do you intend to do with your material resources? What do you intend to do with your money? It's good to evaluate where your goals are. So maybe you need, you might not have ever done this before in your life. You might have just thought, I, just, I, I do my business, I do my work, I, I get my pay, I, I do my... I do my church responsibilities, I do my tax, I do all those, all those things right, but you've never taken the time to ask yourself, what do I intend to do with my material resource? What do I intend to do? And it's good to evaluate where your goals are. But God entrusts us with resources, and He expects us to be good stewards of what we have, not to waste it. So seek the right goals in business in your employment in your investments seek the right goals and that's something between you and God I can't stand here to say and say this is what your goals should look like but I would I would say please include a spiritual perspective to your goals that leads to the next to the next key is establish a spiritual purpose so you're not only here just for anything so you might think I'm only here just to do this or I'm only here just to make money I'm only here just You're never here just for those things. But you're here to discover a spiritual purpose for your life and for your future. So to be a light, this is is what your spiritual purpose should be. And it lines up with our our mission statement as a church. Your spiritual purpose is, is to be a light to the world, which has two parts. We've got to be Jesus to the lost you have to be Jesus to the lost around you in your world and we've also got to disciple the saved that's not just the pastor's job to preach on Sunday we need to disciple each other and help bring the word of God into other people I'm sometimes worried about when when we when people talk church to church people and they talk about life and they start saying well just do this and and they they just minus God out of the picture they mine us a spiritual perspective out of the equation and start saying, well, this is this is just good practical advice. Sometimes we need good practical advice, but most importantly, we need to have good spiritual advice. And we need to use the word of God and share that with each other. And iron sharpens iron. And we become, we become powerful men and women in the house of God when we do that. Who's in for that? So I want us to stand to our feet this morning. When your spiritual purpose is to serve Jesus, all that you have becomes ministry currency to build with, and that's what you—that's what you want to do in your life. All that you have becomes spiritual currency to build something permanent with. So, use your home, use your car, use your phone as ministry currency. Uh, see your place in the church is to equip and resource god's purpose it doesn't matter whether you only got a little bit you say god you know i'm gonna i'm gonna be a blessing to my church i'm gonna i'm gonna use this to equip to disciple people to be a blessing see your place in the church like that so i wanted to, to um pray for people today and and uh perhaps lay hands on people because I know it, you need, some people need to have a, a burden lifted off, lifted off their life because of negative concepts that, that you've adopted or you've listened to that aren't helpful for your spiritual future. So if we're going to be free in, in, in 2017, we need, to, we need to be free in everything. And I don't want to embarrass people. I don't want to condemn people. I don't want to be judging anybody here today. But I know that there is a burden that comes upon people like nothing else. There's a burden that is upon churches today like nothing else because because we've allowed a distortion when it comes to that part of our life. And we can say, God, touch every other part of my life, but just don't touch my money. We need to We need to shake that off. We need to step into a new future. We need to step into the blessings of God that come when we have a right perspective to God in that area. And I don't say that in any way to, to condemn or judge people, but I want to lay hands on those who who you've experienced unhealthy worry when it comes to money. It's like it consumes you. You, 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 you fear it. You worry about it. You don't take steps like you could because that is that has it's become a blockage. I want to lay hands on those that... that that you feel God is getting a hold of your life for the purpose of raising money for kingdom for kingdom building. And I, I don't know who you are, but God knows who you are. And you're feeling the sense of the spirit in your heart starting to, to say, yes, I know that's me. You may not have the strategy right now. You may not have the, the, the purpose right now. But, but God is saying, I'm, I'm wanting to stir business ideas in you to raise money for kingdom purpose. that's you i want to lay hands on you why don't we just why don't we sing what are we going to sing and i need a drink and as we as we sing this through quietly whatever it is i want you to respond and say god if you really need to have a a new perspective a good a, a good refreshing of the spirit in your life when it comes to finance then you just say lord that that's me why don't you come it's a bit of an, a bit of a, a, an unusual altar call, but why don't you come as we sing?